This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Keith on from SmartRank, and our topic today is resumes and job descriptions are worthless. Worthless is in all caps. So uh, I'm not screaming because I don't I don't want to scream into anyone's ear, but they're worthless. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Keith, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself in SmartRank? Yeah, happy to. Uh, my name is Keith Hewlin. I'm the CEO and co-founder of SmartRank. Uh, we're a, a talent acquisition solution, a productivity tool, plus an ATS that allows organizations to stack rank and filter job applicants, coincidentally, without using a resume in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so... Uh... I, I can't remember if it was you or someone else, but telling me the history of the resume goes all the way back to like the Renaissance or Leonardo or something like that. So let's let's just tackle the history of resumes for just a moment. Yeah, I think that was a conversation we were having. Yeah, so I, you know, in in learning about our uh, our journey here, I, I had to do research on the resume. So I did. I went back and I'm like, how old is this thing? Because it's it's been around my entire career, 100%. Right? Right, and so I'm like, you know, I started doing some research and there's a lot of articles out there. And one of them I found was an article about how the person that is credited with creating the first resume. Now, obviously, I'm sure there were variations of this even before, but uh, is Leonardo da Vinci, which I thought was so cool. Uh, <laughs> and so he puts the and it actually exists. You can go online and find his resume that he he put together for like the Duke of Milan or something like that. And he talked about all the different skills that he has. And what I found <laughs> like Leonardo has to talk about the things well, that he's great. At. He, he did then, if he had a resume today, he, he would just be his name would get him the interview. But back then, you know, you had That's to. a good point. Uh, but yeah, so he, he, he puts together this thing and what, you know, what was interesting, William, that got me thinking about this is that, I'm like, well, there's other things I'm sure that we, you know, we've used the wheel. We used the wheel 540 years ago, you know, whatever. But the resume was something that I realized it's the only thing, it's one of the only things I can think of that we use in the exact same way today. Right. And we did 540 years ago. Like there's, we have, we had a printing press that was created, you know, roughly around the same time frame or whatever, but, you know, we, it's changed dramatically, right? We don't use it the exact same way. It's totally changed, you know, at this point. So, you know, the resume is one of those things that I feel like still is like used in the exact same 100% way that it was 500 years ago. It's crazy. So outside of the age and the antiquity part of, of, uh, of resumes, what also makes them worthless? You, you know, <laughs> Outside, I'm not sure that outside I have they've to been con- around for a long time. <laughs> I'm not sure I have to convince anybody that has either reviewed them as a pra- as a practitioner or or reviewed them as a hiring manager or had to submit them as an applicant, right? Like 
if you got together a group of a hundred people that are in, you know, hiring managers and, and recruiters and, and applicants, and you asked everybody who thinks that this whole resume thing is a good idea. Like how many people would actually raise their hands? Like it's a, it's, it's a terrible thing. So what are these, what are these things? Well, number one, it lacks context, specificity, uh, objectivity, and accuracy. So why don't we break those down? It lacks context. Like you don't know what the background is. You're getting what the applicant wants you to know about them. And that's it, right? You're getting a one-sided story. Um, you know, so you're missing the, the real, what I like to call like the sweet stuff, right? The good stuff is the context that you're always going to miss. The specificity is also what was missed, you know? So, you know, things like if somebody says, I sold $2 million at Oracle. Okay, so what? You had a team of 15 people that actually did most of the selling around you, right? Somebody set the meeting, somebody did the demos, somebody did the negotiations. Like, what did you actually do in the process? You know, you got credit for $2 million, but did you actually sell it? Because for this job, I need somebody to do demos and actually prospect and sell. So, you know, it's missing those pieces. You're getting their point of view on it. Um, and then sometimes it's it's just not accurate. But, you know, really, what does any of that stuff on the resume mean? What does it mean? You know, if somebody says, I am highly proficient in Microsoft Excel. Okay, awesome. What does that mean? Does anybody know what that means? The only person that knows what that means is the applicant. And therein lies the subjectivity where a hiring manager might be thinking pivot tables. A recruiter might be thinking, you know, maybe not pivot tables, but something more intermediate, et cetera. And the applicant, the candidate might be thinking basic Excel. I know how to open up the application and build tables, which is fantastic. I know how to change the colors on columns. Okay. I'm proficient. Again, mm -hmm. kind of the, you're getting to the, 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 uh, agreeing on standards and agreeing on terms. And instead of doing that, you, you're basically saying the resume and even LinkedIn's profile is subjective in nature because it's their kind of their perspective of themselves, which is, which is usually inflated. Um, I think, I think some people are really brutally honest with themselves, probably too much, too brutal. Uh, but more often than not, most human beings will, will err on the side. <laughs> That they're mm -hmm. better at something than they truly are. Okay, fair enough. But what one of the things I wanted to ask you about is years ago there was a whole law, you know, lots of discussion around fraud and resumes and how to detect fraud and how to suss it out with either testing or 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 otherwise, but just how to get how to get rid of fraud. So resumes were its problem. It was fraud that was within the resumes that was the problem. And so what do, what do you, first of all, did you, <laughs> what do you think about, what do you think about that concept? Well, I, I read a number of articles about this. There's, yeah. there's stats all over the place. There's like a stat I remember reading at one point about, you know, like 80% of people that have been hired admit to lying on their resume about, you know, one thing or another, but, but, you know, here, there's a deeper question to be asked here, which is what is lying? Like, if I put, I'm proficient in Excel, we're using that example. It's an easy one. Everybody understands. If I say I'm proficient in Excel and then you hire me and you never defined what proficiency means and then you hire me and then you're like, hey man, I need you to, to put together this 
pivot table and do some conditional formatting. And I needed to do some data validation with some, you know, macros. And they're like, I don't even know what you just said. Then is that lying? Right. I mean, it's, it's up for interpretation. Is it not? I mean, unless somebody defines it. Um, so I think that that's, that therein lies the, the real issue is that you're dealing with documents that are just, uh, vague at best. Yeah. Right? And, it's, and it's, it's marketing documents, right? So the job descriptions is the other thing we're going to tackle as we tackle this. The job description is a marketing document created with probably just as much uh, riddled with just as much kind of, uh, uh, objectivity, uh, subjectivity problems. And the resume is a marketing document as well. So, <laughs> and marketing's great. I actually, I love marketing. I'm a recovering marketer. I love marketing. However, <laughs> th this isn't a great way to hire is by using two different marketing documents and bridge, bridging the gap between two different marketing documents. Yeah. I, you know, in this case, two negatives don't make a positive. They make a, <laughs> they make a really, really, really bad negative, right? Like, because you're right. Job descriptions are no better. They, no, it's the same thing. They vague at best, every job description, I don't care what industry, the size of the company, you can go pull up a job description for salesforce.com or Amazon or down to a, a five person company. They're all structured with the same language. They're going to have things like experience with, uh, familiarity, you know, with knowledge of expertise. And, and I love the one, my, <laughs> my favorites are the ones that are like, you know, proficiency, you know, proficiency with high proficiency with extreme high proficiency with <laughs> you're like, well, what? all right, how do you define the difference between those three things? Yeah, right? you need to be the tallest midget. Okay, yes, great. Exactly. Fantastic. Like, <laughs> Fantastic. That doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't help me. It doesn't mean anything. And in the applicant, as you know, they're going to just interpret whatever they want that to mean when they're reading it, they're applying to a job for a reason. They want to get a job. So when they read that, um, they're going to interpret what they, what they want to think by that. Uh, although there is a, there is a, another negative that I think a lot of people don't look at, which is, you know, and there's, again, there's a Harvard business review article out there about this. There's a LinkedIn article. There's a number of these articles out there that say that statistically uh, females will only apply to a job that they're a hundred percent uh qualified for meaning right. that if there's 10 bullet points they have to say i can do all 10 of those um men on the other hand we're 60 percent william which frankly is probably high that's uh, probably extremely low. high extremely it's probably high. probably lower than that you know we're <laughs> like oh well, we'll, we popped we'll out the, we popped out of the womb automatically assuming that we could figure it out just say, yeah just <laughs> that's right i haven't that's dropped right. it i haven't dropped a transmission yeah but you know yeah i'm sure there's a youtube channel got it done. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And it's it sucks because you've got really, really smart, highly qualified females. They're not even applying. So there's a, a thing you can also look this up. It's called the ambiguity effect. And and this is a real documented you know, thing that happens. And and what happens is the more ambiguous it is, um, the more scary it is. And so if you have an ambiguous job description, which by the nature of job descriptions are all ambiguous. And so when a female looks at it, if she's going to, you know, be like, well, I'm not sure what they mean by that. There's a high likelihood based on the ambiguity effect that she's going to not 
assume that it's something that she is qualified for. It's going to be something that she is not qualified for. Oh, they're probably looking for X, Y, and Z, which is just not me. That's probably what they meant by expertise in. If they didn't say expertise in, they would have just said familiarity with, right? You know, right. so that's what happens. It's, it's a really bad problem. Um, and again, you know, you got to think about this, like, and, and you know this just as well as anybody when I'm like, what if you really get down into it, what is a job description? Because there's a job posting and you have a job description, right? And a job description is a legal document. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have this legal document and that outlines all your duties and what, what you're going to need to do for your job. And then it has a number of things of what they're looking for in there. And that's so that if, if somebody comes in to be an office administrator and now they have them doing sales, they're going to be like, you didn't, this is not in the job description, right? That's what they were built for. Job posting should be more marketing documents, right? Like, here's why you want to work here. And this is what's exciting. But unfortunately, because, you know, a lot of times town acquisition, people just don't have the time. So the two get conflated and now they are one, right? They are just one. If you go to any job description out there, you've got both of those things combined. And so, um, and that's a problem, frankly, um, they really should be separated uh, and it should be up to the company to kind of figure out if they're qualified or not. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is where job descriptions come from the gen, the internally, right? So I've made this mistake, probably everyone listening to this podcast has made the mistake of going into a job board, career builder, indeed, zip, you know, wherever, grabbing another job is good, <laughs> bringing in the word yep. and, and then changing a little bit of it and then saying, yep, that's it. Now, okay, we all know we shouldn't do that, but also we, we should also recycle more. So, you know, got it, stated and covered. So yeah. I'm interested in in terms of like where do they come from outside of the mistakes we've made? Okay, internally are they are they cooked by recruiters, by sourcers, by hiring managers, by if they're large enough companies by the organizational development folks and competency frameworks and compensation people like wh who's making the chili? <laughs> is, is what i'm curious about and i know you talk to a ton of hiring managers so you know who's i mean who's making the job descriptions ah what a great question i mean i'll point to go to any semi fairly large organization and you're going to see that it's pretty obvious that there is no consistency in that because you see a lack of consistency in the job descriptions themselves, right? They're formatted differently. Some of them, you know, have certain sections, other ones don't. Um, and so that tells you that it's just kind of whatever we can put together to throw out there, um, you know, to people. I, I'll talk to hiring managers all the time and, and uh, they've been hiring for a role for years. And then I'll jump on a call with them and we're talking and I pull up their current job description for a role. And they're like, yeah, I, never seen this thing before I, or I haven't looked at this in years and you're like wait what you're the one that has to actually ultimately hire this person you're the one that has to manage this person potentially even performance manage this person out of the organization if they don't have what you're looking for and you've never even looked at this thing like oh man that's a scary thought but it happens it totally happens and you know again and you, you flip that over to is a town, is a recruiter expected to write a job description for a role they've literally never done? Is that, is that a fair expectation? 
I think not. I think that's not even remotely fair. Um, so, you know, it's it has to be an there has to be involvement from multiple parties uh, for sure. So we we're, we're underlining and all capping worthless and and and, you know, so that the audience kind of gets the gets the bit resumes are worthless. If you could sum that up, resumes are worthless because of. Because of their lack of context, specificity, objectivity, accuracy, sometimes. Um, yeah, I'd say that that's a big one. Uh, and, and go, oh, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. Thought. Oh, I was just going to say, you just, you exacerbate the issue then when you combine two documents. And it's, and as you know, you know, a lot of the process for talent acquisition um, and screening is just comparing keywords between the two. So now you're doubling down on these two documents that don't mean anything. Right. They don't mean anything to the applicants. They don't really mean much to the, you know, uh, the town acquisition professionals that are screening. Right. They're they're looking for keywords that exist on both documents. But you're losing the best stuff, the best stuff, the most detailed stuff that you want to get uh, is missed. And by the way, you, you know, you got to ask yourself the question of like, what is the purpose? Like, why are we putting this out there? What is the reason that we want this to be out there? Like. You know, I think if you ask a lot of people, they're hoping that applicants are going to self-select out because they're going to read the qualifications. No, they're not. <laughs> they're going to interpret that to fit the narrative in their head of what that means because they want to apply to that job. So they're going to say, hey, thank you for having this be very vague. Now I feel justified that I can apply for this. So one of the things uh, with with job descriptions is it sim oh, can we just say the exact same things that job descriptions are also worthless because they're subjective <laughs> subjective they lack context like is it is it is it essentially both of them have the exact same problems they're just being used by different people for different reasons yeah they do have the same problems and again yeah. I, I I really mean this you're doubling down when you use both of them right because I mean, honestly, you're, you're, they, they don't get a lot of attention, right? I've been at multiple organizations, big and small. I've looked at, I've been asked to review, you know, job descriptions. I've written job descriptions from, from scratch that I thought, you know, were not there. But we've all been trained in this mindset because these are the tools that we use, right? This is it. Um, and so this is what everybody focuses on is, and so, you know, for all those years, I was trained in this mindset of, oh, I, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. It wasn't until I really started to investigate this and really realize, yeah, none of this means anything. It doesn't mean anything to anybody. Actually, the only person it means anything to is me. But all of the real meat and potato information in there is in my head. It's not in the job description. The specificity is totally lacking. All that specificity is in my head. It's not on this piece of paper. So yeah, it's just what everybody has been trained for. Uh, and when I jump on with like our clients, I'll be like, hey, what does this mean? And everyone kind of smiles like, great question. Why have we not asked ourselves that? <laughs> I don't know. What does it mean? You, you almost can play the telephone game, right? From sourcers to recruiters to hiring managers. Like, what does it mean it's to candidates, right? What does it mean? And that's every single qualification can that's be that subject is subjective. Every one of them. And, you know, the stat out there is that 
recruiters are looking at resumes on average for about six seconds. So, you know, think of, just think about this for a second, right? At a high level, you have somebody that there's a 99% chance they've never done that role. They have a job description that could have been written five years ago that's out there. Um, and now they're looking at a resume for six seconds for to look and try and identify qualifications for a person that they're going to pay $150,000 to. And that's all happening in six seconds. They're going to do like, you'd have to be crazy to not think something's wrong with that. Right. If you really think about it, there's that process seems insane, but that's exactly what happens at every company in the United States. So how do we now that now that now that because there's what what I love about this podcast is now it's going to create conversations for recruiters and hiring managers, sourcers, etc. Um, now they're going to be basically saying, okay, well, how do we how do we agree on terms? How do we agree on proficiency? Uh, using words like that, uh, how do we do that? Can you see them fixing this themselves, like squeezing out the subjectivity of either of those documents? Well, you're not going to get it from the resumes, right? Because right. you can't, you can only control oh, one side of this, which is the job descriptions. Like the resumes are still going to be what they're going to be. Yeah. You can, you can get more specific for sure, but you're still going to have a breakdown when you go to compare that highly specific job description that you've put a lot of work into now. And I've seen some that have tried to do that. They get it. Um, everything we're talking about, they get, um, but now they're still comparing that to this, vague, ambiguous, you know, generic lack of, of objectivity context laden resume, right? And that that's where you're still going to have a breakdown. So even if you fix one side of the fence, you still have the problem on the other side. Drops mic, walks off stage. Worthless. Worthless people. <laughs> Worthless. Well, well, and then and then we didn't even talk about this, but like now we, we didn't even mention the DEI aspect, right? Like resumes. Oh, yeah. Resumes are the single largest source of unconscious bias. The number one thing. If you go to any medium to large size organization and go to their, their careers page, what is the top thing you see everywhere? We, we love and encourage DEI, blah, blah, blah. Are you using a resume? Because if you are, then at least maybe your company is doing some great things. And, that, and, I, and I hope they are from a DEI perspective. But from a screening perspective, from the very genesis, of the people you bring into the organization, it's not happening because we're kidding ourselves if we say that we can just train ourselves out of this of, of not having bias, right? That that we're kidding ourselves. That that that's not going to exist. By the nature of our species, we have bias, and that's always going to creep in, and it creeps in no no um, more so than when people look at at a resume, right? I mean, that's why it takes six seconds, right? There's bias that's immediately creeping in. That's even if you get to the resume, right? Like sometimes you just look at the the name um, and you're like, yep, probably going to need a visa or something. You jump to some conclusion and, you know, that's not the case. Right. Which again gets back to that subjectivity that we, we don't even know the, the unconscious bias part. I, I love the way you unpack that because it's like we don't even know what subconsciously that we're thinking about. Like we just don't have a feeling for it. like again we can go through training and all of that stuff and we should great fantastic done deal it's still not going to you're a human being 
your 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 some of your experiences, some it's, of which are good, some of which are bad. It's called unconscious for a reason. <laughs> that means that you don't know you're doing it. Like and and so everyone's like, oh no, I, you know, I look at things like I don't look at things like what year they graduated college, and I don't look at their name. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's let's talk about what if that person's name is an ex girlfriend or ex boyfriend of yours that right. you know really really did a number on you and you're like uh, that triggers something that subconsciously not consciously subconsciously you're like I'm gonna pass on this person for no other reason than they have the same name as your ex boyfriend or girlfriend. Hundred percent. That's the point of what we're talking about here, right? Oh, when we were naming our, our two boys. The, the the naming thing, that was we bought the book I, probably every uh, couple buys it's the baby names book right you go out to dinner and you're going through these names and it's like <laughs> I dated a girl like no I can't no <laughs> had a bad experience had a great experience you know you just like, like right. can't go through any of that stuff and so my wife and I we we settled on just family names because. <laughs> Safe bet. Safe bet. Yeah, at that point, we're like, ah, we we just, we're not going to be able to find names that we agree on. Um, This has been absolutely fantastic, Keith. Thank you so much for your time and wisdom. William, this was a lot of fun, man. Uh, Let's do it again. Absolutely. And thanks, everyone, listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.